I wasn't a huge consumer of things other than like maybe books. And so podcast just hit me in this way that just felt very, like I had an ache, like a literal physical ache in my body of like wanting to dive in more and be involved in this community. Podcast Junkies, episode 241. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new, this is the first time you ever listened to this show. This is the one where we search out interesting voices in podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. In case you missed last week's episode, we had a great conversation with my namesake, Harry Morton. He's an entrepreneur, a podcaster, and the founder of Lower Street Media. It was really interesting because Harry and I both own a podcast production company and obviously both named Harry. And it just speaks to this abundance mindset that I have and this idea of podcasting being that rising tide that's lifting all boats. And so it was just great to talk shop and hear how he's coping from a business perspective and what he's learned along the way. Episode 240, check that one out. This week I get to speak to Sky Pillsbury. Sky is a friend and someone that I was able to meet in person at Podcast Movement or Podfest. I get the conferences now <laughs> mixed up now, being that it's been such a long time since I've been at an actual live conference. I definitely miss those. She's a former editor of Inside Podcasting Newsletter, and she joins the show to share her origin story. Sky has a fascinating story of how she connected with Jonathan Goldstein, the host of Heavyweight, and was featured on episode 17. She talks about how she found her written voice and how she ended up becoming the editor of the Inside Podcasting newsletter. We naturally geek out on the power of the podcasting community. And because of Sky's experience at Inside Podcasting, we get to talk shop about the business of podcasting and how important preparation is for preparing our respective content. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Sky is now getting ready for her next project, so we talk a little bit about that. And it's just one of those conversations where you feel like you're talking to an old friend. And I remember at the end, <laughs> realizing how quickly the time had gone by and how excited and honored I was that I was able to spend that time with Sky. She's really a genuine advocate for podcasting. She's such a sweetheart. And I think that comes across in this interview. So let's get to it. Let's not forget that this episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast.co is the website. If you need help with any aspect of your show from launch to production and marketing, we can help. Schedule a free chat at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 about your existing or new show. Sky Pillsbury, welcome to Podcast Junkies. Thank you so much for having me. I remember asking you if we could figure this out, when we could make this happen. And I know that was an in-person conversation because we were in the hallway somewhere, I think at PodFest or Podcast Movement. And it seems like we take those little things for granted, but we all start to remember now, uh, given that we're recording this in September 2020, the last time we were in <laughs> in a big group like that. Mm -hmm. I really, really miss being with people in this community. And I was 
thrilled when we talked about it that time. And then it just so happened that we connected again after the pandemic. And I think sort of in the wake of me leaving Inside Podcasting, and it actually felt weirdly like a good time to connect because, you know, everything is weird right now, you know, everything that we're dealing with. But my thoughts about podcasting are also, you know, my thoughts about my role in podcasting is starting Mm. to also change. And so this is like, this is really fun for me to be talking to you about it. Yeah, this is the the show where we just get to geek out on all things, <laughs> chase down the the pod, go down the podcasting rabbit holes with our podcasting peeps, which is why it's one of my favorite hours of the day. Yeah, <laughs> because so- I, I was having a discussion with Ariel Niesenblatt, and you know we've been friends a long time as well, and sometimes you think that at these co- conferences you're going to be able to sit down and have a chat, but. The more often you go, the more people you know, the more connections you have, there's just more people that you want to have those conversations with. So now for me, it's actually been, I'm using the the podcast, leveraging the podcast and just saying, hey, I want to catch up with Sky and be- better place to do it than on the show because that's, you know, that's, we're all just talking about the podcasting world. So it's been helpful for me because, you know, you just don't get that time in those conferences anymore. You're exactly right. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I was especially excited to be here with you today because I haven't, you know, my second season of my podcast where I got to speak with people in the industry and Ariel was actually, Ariel was on one of my post-show episodes. And that's just another example of, of the same thing, of connecting with someone. There's something about being with people that are just as excited about this as you are, which I don't get from my family and they all like podcasts, but it's not the same kind of thing. And I have done some virtual events. I've attended some virtual podcast events and those are great. And it's like yeah. holding me together and it's great to just see the faces on the screen. But it, it you know, you, if you're being honest, it's not the same as being yeah. with people in person and then having those, you know, serendipitous, like you see someone at a party and you connect yeah. and whatever. Like, I just love all of that. And I can't the wait for that to come back. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Which is where this, the idea of this started. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listener that may not be familiar with you, maybe wind the clock a little bit and uh, tell us where and when you were when you when podcasting showed up on your radar. Sure. So I have been a fan of podcasts for a really long time. And I had my day job, my career was actually as a publicist in the technology industry. And actually, I was aware of podcasts in some part because I was in the technology industry. And so, of course, that, you know, podcasting, and especially in the early days, you know, you had to be connected in some way in order to access them. And so I was aware of them, but they didn't, you know, I'm sort of always embarrassed to admit this, but they did not come into full view until Serial, which is like, I'm always, you know, feel like that's super uncool to admit that, but it is true. (laughs) It's true for a lot of people too, whether they care to admit it or not. I know. And I talk to so many people now who've been podcasting like since, you know, 2004 and, and I, you know, that just, I wish that I had been doing it since that time. So I remember the phone call I got from my friend, Emily, who told me about this podcast called Serial and helped me figure out how to listen to it. And I was doing a lot of driving at that time. So it was sort of perfect. And I dug into it. And and then from there, sort of discovered a lot of other things. I was super in awe of 
the experiences that I was having in my ears, it felt really different than consuming any other kind of media. I'm actually not like a huge TV watcher. I end up watching a lot because my husband loves TV. (laughs) He's sort of turned me into a convert. But like left to my own devices, I wasn't a huge consumer of things other than like maybe books. And so podcasts just hit me in this right in this way that just felt very, like I had an ache, like a literal physical ache in my body of like wanting to dive in more and be involved in this community. But I had no experience, you know, being, you know, on that, you know, making, you know, any kind of audio or, you know, I had been a publicist, so I was actually in the media world in that way, but it wasn't the same. And so my first actual taste of what podcasts were about was I had was an avid listener of heavyweight probably yeah. I mean people who are familiar with me or read my newsletter know about this but so I'll say it quickly but I love that show it's a show about how people you know go back to a moment in their past and try to sort of figure it out later on in yeah. life and I had a moment like that in my own life and so I pitched heavyweight you know I was a publicist so this came in handy and I pitched them and they ended up making you know an episode about my experience Jonathan the host Jonathan Goldstein shouts to him flew out to San Francisco from Brooklyn. I I live in the Bay Area and we recorded and I got to see his recording equipment and I got to sort of get a sense during that whole experience. Also with Kalila Holt, who was the producer on that, I got a sense of like, just from the questions they were asking me or just in the things that they needed to know or like, they wanted to know like, what is in my son's room? Because he's a character in that story. And I just started to like figure out like, how do you put this kind of very complicated story together? And they did a masterful job with my story, I feel. And so that was sort of my first taste. And then I was reading a lot of newsletters. Like I didn't have any reason to be reading these newsletters other than this bizarre passion I had developed around audio. And one of the newsletters that I subscribed to, which was sort of a, it was a non-bylined newsletter. It was, you know, really just here's the the news of the day was inside podcasting. And they, I don't know how I found it. You know, I was also subscribing to Hot Pod and other newsletters. And they one day said, we're looking for a newsletter, a writer for this newsletter. And I threw my hat into the ring and miraculously, like they gave me the job. (laughs) I was totally learning as I went, like, you know, try, you know, I was so passionate about it that that made up, I think, for a lot of my, you know, my newness, you know, like I didn't with every industry. And I know this just from being in technology PR and having clients sort of all over the map, like that was part of my job then was to like, you know, dive really deep into yeah. an idea and then yeah. figure out how to explain it to people. So in a way, this job was in, in a way perfect for me. And I felt like I was getting paid to learn more. And so I just loved it. Well, you're coming at it from a place of genuine, natural curiosity for something that you've like recently discovered and you're super passionate about. And so you're sort of taking the reader, I imagine in those early newsletters, like on a journey with you and saying, I, I just discovered this and that enthusiasm comes through in your writing and your energy. And so I think it just makes for more compelling content. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I There were definitely moments when I was, you know, just so delighted about something that I could share with my readers, because my readers were a mix of podcasters and fans like me. And so for every newsletter, there's going to be some people who already know what I'm talking about, but there's going to be a lot more people probably who don't. And so yeah, it was this sort of like, I kind of felt like Alice in Wonderland, like, you know, <laughs> going down the rabbit hole and like discovering yeah. things and like, you know, figuring it out. And, and so I do hope that, that came through. And then you know, over time, I think I got more familiar with the industry and I developed my own, you know, opinions about things, which, you know, I tried not to 
always infuse that. But I think some amount of personality is good. And and I feel like it was helpful in that I wanted to interact with my readers. I want to know what they thought. And I think that that hopefully came through in the way that I would write about things was very like, here's what I think. Like, what do you think? And I love the fact that people would actually respond. So that was one of the things I loved most. Was writing a regular newsletter something you had done previously or? No. <laughs> and so how did you start to find your written voice? And, you know, how did you start to think about how you, you were going to be putting content together? Because there's no shortage of obviously news about podcasting and you don't want to sound like every other newsletter out there right. as well. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I imagine there's a listeners that are interested or have started their own newsletters. And it's its own world, you know, with Substack, you know, making a bigger splash now and and everyone that's leaving or getting fired from other jobs now having to start their own stuff. And you hear about New York Times writers now starting newsletters. So it's an interesting skill to develop. And so I'm wondering about what that was like for you. You know, it's funny. I don't think I've, maybe I've been asked that question, but I don't think that I knew that I would have a voice. And that's the truth. Like when I started it, it was just like, okay, I'm just trying to like do this well. And, you know, I'm just going to try to give them something interesting. When I was, you know, for the first 18 months, I was writing it every day, you know, five days a week. And so I was just trying to do a good job. But then I, I did notice that when I would put something sort of funny or, I mean, I hate to say it, but like maybe a little bit snarky, but like that was based in real you know, belief on my part or emotion or something that I would get a really good response from people. And I think Jason Calacanis, who owns Inside.com, which is what Inside Podcasting, the newsletter that I wrote was part of, you know, they produce a whole bunch of newsletters on all different topics. And I think he was noticing that too. Like my newsletter was increasing in subscribers, you know, at a pretty quick pace. And he started really, I mean, and, and shouts to him for this, he started really supporting that, like wanting me to have my own voice, like, you know, make it personal. Like, yeah, you know, we didn't, yeah. you, I did, when I started, there was no like, high readers at the top of it. Like, towards the end, I would almost always have a little note at the top, and I would sign it for me, because Jason was like, let's start doing that with every issue so that people are understanding they're getting you, they're getting a particular yeah, yeah, voice. Yeah. And he really, you know, you'd think almost that they wouldn't want that, like that then they would think, oh, you're going to be, become too big for your britches or something. But Or they could just slot in someone else, you know, and right. work out. Yeah. Right. I mean, he really wanted me to build a a brand around who I was. And that wasn't how I had gone into it. But, you know, it was fun for me to then start having people write to me and say, hey, you know, what's your opinion about this? Or people would just reach out even if it wasn't about the newsletter. And so, you know, I don't know how I found it, but I did find it. Like, I think it's just one of those things that like, you don't really know that you have a voice until you're already there. And then you're suddenly like, okay, like, you know, certain issues would make me extremely, you know, passionate. And I suddenly was moved to do like some original reporting, which the inside newsletters never do. And so, you know, there was some stuff that came out with iHeartMedia, and they were sort of like always calling themselves first at everything. And their award show was a great example of that. But they had done this a number of times, and I'd written about it a number of times. And finally, I just got sick of it and was irritated and wanted to talk to them about it and did end up speaking to someone from there and, you know, did some reporting on that issue. And that was that was honestly when I was having the most fun was when yeah. I had, you know, when I felt, saw something that, you know, it could be a, something that I saw as an injustice or as someone sort of overstepping or not understanding our industry and acting like they did. Luminary is another good example of that. But, <laughs> but I also really enjoyed, I started also doing just interviews with people who were like, 
being vocal on Twitter about an issue or like in the case of Avery Truffleman, she was she announced on Twitter that she was leaving her podcast. And, you know, I just reached out to her was like, I want to know where you're going and got the opportunity to interview her way before I was allowed to publish it and had it ready to go once she announced. And that was really fun for me, too. So, you know, just figuring out like what's going on in the industry. And, you know, so it's not all like I'm trying to like, (laughs) just like (laughs) throw companies under the bus. It's, It's also just me being curious about creators and what they're doing. And uh, that's still like an interest of mine. And that, that's also why I started the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is, is what you were describing in terms of like the experience you had and, and that concept of finding your voice. It's similar to when people start a podcast. You know, I always say you could have five different people hosting the same exact show with the same exact name and you would end up with five different shows because people inevitably are going to bring in like their experiences and you know their tone and their view on life and um, it seems like that's what started to happen with you because your person it's almost like your personality could not come up <laughs> for anyone that's met you would probably agree as well they're like oh it's just a matter of time before you know we, we get to see what who sky really is and i think that's how a lot of people in the podcast community i think became aware of you and started and and i think the fact that you were taking that uh, initiative to sort of you know poke holes and stuff because as, as you mentioned there's a lot of fluff and and bs and and just weird stuff happening especially when you when you're speaking to some of the people who have been doing this for years and they're like well not first ever and <laughs> yes. you weren't the yes. yeah all you that sort what? of stuff is interesting I was really, really fortunate in that way because, and I will credit the She Podcasts. No, it wasn't She Podcasts. It was, uh, sorry, it was Outlier. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. She Podcasts too, but it was Outlier a couple years back. You know, I was already writing the newsletter, but I went to Outlier in Austin and it was a really, you know, small but mighty group of podcast people or people who are aspiring to make podcasts. And I don't know how this happened. I feel like we had become friends on Twitter, but Jessica Kupferman, huge shout out to Jessica. I keep shouting people out. I've never done that on a podcast before, but I'm feeling (laughs) You can do it on a podcast about podcasting. That's the best part. I call it the podcast. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I had the very good fortune to meet her. And like we had a plan to meet each other because we had somehow been interacting. And she was like my Sherpa. Like we were at this podcasting festival and she was just introducing me to all sorts of people who were there. And, you know, a lot of people who were there were people who had been podcasting for, in fact, that's where I met Evo, Tara, who's, you know, who produced the podcast I ended up making it, making or the second season of it. And I met, I mean, I just met so many people and just being around them, the people who had been around podcasting for so long helped me understand the history. And so that, I had a little bit of a found, like I had a little bit of an insider's view from people who'd been doing it long enough so that I wasn't just coming in cold as a hired gun to write this newsletter. I was doing a lot of research in the beginning, but then I really learned a lot from that festival, which, and it, what's, you know, I'm I'm on the board there now. I think maybe, are you too? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But grandfathered in at some (laughs) point. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, so anyway, so yeah, that's a lot of the reason why that really helped me in my writing sort of understand what, what had gone on before so that I wasn't just like, taking, you know, what people said to me, you know, yeah. from press releases and taking that for granted, you know, taking that at its word, I guess I would say. Yeah, especially people that have put in the time and I was grateful enough. And, and I think that was part of my thought process because the inspiration for Podcast Junkies came from inside the actor studio, if you remember that TV show. Yes, 100%. And he, yeah. And, and so James Lipton would interview these 
actors and I'm, and you always see them on the screen and you're like, oh, whatever. But then you get to see them actually like talk about something like personal, like, and you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're human beings. They're real people. <laughs> so Yes. Yes. I love that show. That was kind of like the thought process. Cause I studied acting for like three years and I was like, and that's how I was, I was like a big fan of the show when I was in New York. So. Oh, I didn't know that you studied acting. And the actual idea for Podcast Junkies came because I was working on a mobile app for electronic music because I grew up DJing vinyl turntable. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, so I was like just fascinated with that, and then I then then I was like, oh, I was gonna I was gonna start a podcast to interview DJs originally, but then That's I a great realized, idea. but it was so at that time it would have been so hard to track them all down. Like I was like, oh, they're globe trotting DJs because the ones that I like, you know, they're playing in like Spain and like you know Berlin, yeah. and, and so I shelved that when I got to, I went to New Media Expo in 2014 January, and it was bloggers, YouTubers, and podcasters, and Pat Flynn was speaking, Amy Porterfield, Scott Str. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then I came back, the idea of Podcast Junkies popped up. And then I started like the old schoolers. I asked Elsie to come on, Jessica, nice. uh, Gary Leland, Rob Walsh, Daniel J. Lewis, you know, like all these oh, people. Oh, you that really, you got educated. like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's an all star team right there. Dave Jackson and Ray Ortega, just as like the old schoolers, just like schooling me. Like, cause I was like, okay, oh, like, that's what? awesome. So tell me how it works. So then later, when other folks would come in or people would see stuff, you know, you could just see the, the old schoolers being like, hmm. You know, just watching everyone coming in. And then this, I'm interested in, in your thoughts on this, but how you feel about the podcasting community itself, because it's interesting because it's, we're like our own family. And obviously, you know, there's the procaster, what people call the procasters and then the indies. And we'll get it. We could probably, <laughs> that could be a whole separate discussion. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I, I was wondering, like, if you started to notice that or see that or sense that about, you know, that that was something different about podcasters and, and the community of folks that we all hang out with. Yes, I'll, I will answer that. And then after that, I have a question I want to ask you. Yeah. So I'm not going to let you get away. But, you know, that's a really great question. I think that there are a lot of like sub communities within podcasting. I think that we saw that really clearly when the Podcast Academy was first announced and there was this whole you know, group of people oh, yeah. who felt who were who felt that the representation of the people who had who had been there at the very beginning didn't exist. And now they've, you know, I think they've done some work to to address that. But, you know, and I no need to get mired in that controversy, but that really brought to the fore. I remember seeing Elsie Escobar. And by the way, for the, any listener who doesn't know, like Elsie and Jessica, who I mentioned, yeah. are the founders of She Podcast, which is a yes. huge, huge community on Facebook, and they do a yeah. conference and they're amazing, amazing. I always uh, joke that I should have, we should, listeners should be playing podcaster bingo during my episodes. Because you just <laughs> <laughs> Who do you hit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. So then someone wins at the end. Yeah. So now I forgot what I was about to say. Hold on. Oh, the community. So yes. I remember seeing Elsie and Hernan Lopez, uh, who is still the head of Wondery, although he's dealing with yeah. an issue himself. But I remember seeing, you know, he was the one who I think thought or you know, promoted the idea in the beginning of the podcast community. I remember him and Elsie, I remember reading with such fascination their back and forth on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. That was and then they eventually spoke. I was actually oh, yeah. texting with both of them, like so curious about like, because Hernan and I had become friends through the newsletter and Elsie and I yeah. had known for a while and had been like just a wonderful mentor in a way to me. And it was so great because it was like the two different factions, like Wondery coming mm, in, big yeah. money, company, like they're doing almost all true crime, like some, you yeah. know, sort of sensational 
page turning, you know, kind of stuff that will sell a lot and then turn into TV. And Elsie being this very like indie, like, you know, yeah. person, like doesn't even have Wi-Fi in her house, like <laughs> kind of person. Yeah. And it was so great to see that happen and to oh, see yeah. them actually come to like, well, then they had a phone call. So anyway, that, I mean, in a way, that's a long way of answering your question is that just that I'm very aware that there are a lot of different communities. And, and of course, like with all the new podcasters coming in, like that's a whole thing. Like I've had so many, as I'm sure you do, like so many friends reach out to me. Someone reached out to me today saying, can you talk to my friend? She's going to start a podcast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that happens all the time now. And th that's a whole new generation of people. And yes. um, what are they going to know about it? And how are they going to, you know, it's just, it's a fascinating situation or, or industry. I shouldn't say situation. It's a fascinating industry that we are in. Yeah. But I have a question for you, sure. which is just because we both, you know, for my podcast, which ran for two seasons, I interviewed creators and, you know, podcast creators, and, and you do that as well. And I have to imagine that for you, a lot of those people that you were talking to were, you know, I don't know if heroes of yours is too strong of a word, but definitely people, as you said, yeah. you know, were sort of like, you know, you were learning from them, they were mentoring sure. you. And, and a lot of people that I've interviewed have been like, you know, some of the people I've been amazed by, you know, just in terms of their work. And I'm curious, just, you know, interviewer to interviewer, because it is such a, such an, art if you are doing it well like mm -hmm. how whether you got ner whether you would get nervous about interviewing people do you if you did do you still how do you prep yeah. for interviews i'm curious about all that stuff you know it's funny I, I used to do more prep but now i think the prep comes from me in the the meeting the person before at a con and typically they would be at conferences you know best place to get a podcaster is at a podcasting conference so uh, yeah yep. but then inevitably i'm every whether it's Podcast Movement or PodFest or Outlier, I would inevitably like meet a whole new round of folks and we would spend maybe like the next two or three days at the bar hanging out and just like, okay, cool. And I'm like, all right, let's pick up this discussion on the show. Because yeah. I already, I would come back with like, I, I want to speak, I want to have another follow-up conversation in my mind, basically with, an, with these cool podcasters I just met. So I would have another, you know, 10 or 15 candidates to just, you know, just always saying, hey, let's come on, let's come on. And, you know, rarely do I do like just, cold like i've never spoken to the person before and if i do that's when someone's reached out to me like a pr company or someone mm, they mm -hmm. find me through the website and occasionally like i'll have a cold email from someone and i'll just be like oh yeah yeah sure come on the show <laughs> that's great that's yeah great. and then it's like and they come on and we just we have a fantastic conversation i just had a conversation with tyler martin have a blessed gay is his podcast. Oh, <laughs> I love that name. That's great. And he that has it's like an, it's a, it's like a mix between spirituality, LGBTQ, and uh, you know, like it was. It's just I just saw the artwork. His his email was high vibe, and I was like, like immediately, I was like, yes, sure, come on, let's go. And then, so uh, I really am jealous of that because you know. So one thing that I have to confess is that. I don't know how to produce a podcast by myself yet. And so, yeah, I you know, know a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, I was lucky enough, obviously, to be in an industry where it was, uh, you know, I could just throw a, a rock and hit someone <laughs> yeah. who could help me. Yeah. So I did that. But what I, you know, one of my, you know, you have the ability to just say, okay, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. For me, I would be in that place if I felt like I could just turn on a dime on my own and just do it, you know? And, so can you tell me like when you're producing it all by yourself, because I've always outsourced sort of the software mm -hmm. end of it, you know, the production, yeah. you know, I'm still yeah. doing the editing, but like the paper edit, like sure. how much time does it take you 
to turn that around. At this point, you've been doing it for so long. Like, yeah. I'm sure it's super easy. Like, how much do you edit your podcast? How long does it take you? So when I got started, I did everything myself. And I came from, so, so interestingly enough, that DJ background led to, I had taken classes in like mastering and electronic music production. So when I first got started, I was using like a tool called Ableton Live to edit, which is like overkill. It's like, mm, I always say it's like driving Ferrari to the grocery store. It's like <laughs> way too much. Like, so now I use Hindenburg, but I mean, this is what we do. My company Fullcast, we produce shows for businesses and I have a team now. So now they produce my show. <laughs> so basically I'm, right. but I edit and quite honestly, very, very little edits on these conversations. And because mm -hmm. they're podcasts where I talk to other podcasters and we go through like the reality of, you know, the recording environments we're in and stuff. Most of the time I leave in the stuff with the interruptions and I'm like, oh, my dog jumped into my lap. I'm like, okay, what's his right. name? And it's like, now he's part of the show. And, you know, because it's it's sort of like podcasters know, like, yes, yes. you know, that's the reality of, of life. And so just very minimal now editing. So it's mostly the, the whole, you know, hour long conversation typically makes its way there and then I just do a quick intro and outro and then we put it into our rotation for marketing. Has it been, has your podcast been a good way for you to find business? I think I would imagine that's part of the funnel for you, but I don't actually know. I've never asked. Yeah, you. not not in the beginning. And it's so interesting, a little this is inside baseball for you, the listener, like when you get a, a podcast host, two podcast hosts talking <laughs> together inevitably you're just sorry, like, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. No, because I do it too. I'm on shows and like I want to ask a question and I I'm know. just like <laughs> You can but edit this great. out if you want. No, 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 no. I love this. I, but this is the, this is why I won't because it's yeah. beautiful because good, I love good, how, good. how this is happening. So, well, I'm sorry. What were you, what were you asking me? Uh, I was just curious if it was like a funnel for you for business. Yes. Like if, uh, if that's so been successful. In the beginning, I didn't really have anything to sell. So on the show itself, I'm just like, oh no, this is just me doing the show. And then, and, but I learned a lot. It was like how to every single aspect of the show, you know, setup, launch, marketing, promo. You know, I, I bought yellow t-shirts and I would go to podcast movement, hand them out. And so now like I'm known for that. Mm -hmm. And so just kept trying different ideas. And so when I hired a business coach and it's a mastermind that I'm still part of called Black Belt, like mm. I was around all these like six figure, seven figure business owners. And I was blown away. Like Jim Rohn, he's a inspirational speaker. He's like trained Tony Robbins. He says, you are wow. the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I was just like, oh, like I was coming from like a nine to five world because I was like almost 20 years in corporate. And I was just like, wait, like entrepreneurism, like starting your own company, six figure, seven figure businesses, remote teams. Like I was just like yeah. in uh, digital Narnia. I was just like, whoa, like this is crazy. <laughs> and so, but I realized like I, I wanted to create an offering for that caliber of people. Like, cause this, that at the time he was like a $1,500 a month coach. And I was like, oh, okay. The people that can pay him are the people that I want to target with my offer. So mm. we built a full service done for you offer that you know what we say is we help business owners focus on their genius and well you know and then we take care of everything else that's not their genius which is editing which is graphics which is show notes like right you know ideal world you do the howard stern you show up you speak and then you leave and then like everything right. else just magically happens right so right. yeah just been over time but that's helpful for me because now when i talk to prospects i'm like i've been doing this for six plus years like i've had you know 235 episodes hour-long interviews so i can you know i know a thing or two about you know 
best practices for having an effective interview. So that helps. And then now I do mention like the show was produced by Fullcast in the outros on Podcast Junkies. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, mm -hmm. it's not a direct because the audiences are a little different, but I do have like Focusrite as a sponsor on Podcast Junkies for now. So there's a little bit of Crossover. recognition because it's super, I mean, it's a podcast where I talk to podcasters. So naturally, Shure has been a sponsor in the past as well in mm -hmm. podcasting conferences. But but yeah. but I love to talk to anyone who's making a living in podcasting. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it is, it can be it can be hard out there as they say and everybody all you need to do is listen to pod news and there's like 10 new companies with the word pod or cast in them like starting and <laughs> i know it's so and, true it's, it's overwhelming I'm, yeah i was i'm keeping track of them <laughs> for a project i'm working on and i'm almost at 400 <laughs> so, really yeah it's wow. just fascinating fascinating ecosystem but i think there is I mean, there's room for growth and there's room for, if you're offering something, I always have an abundance mindset. Like I talk to other podcast producers and I'm just like, I actually interviewed one for the show whose name is Harry as well. <laughs> Harry Morton, Harry Morton from Lower Street Media. And we just had shoot the shit talk about podcasting. So I think it's, as long as you realize that there's a lot out there and if we could all do our best to sort of, you know, make sure we're making, you know, doing what we can so that you know, those new podcasts that, that are produced don't sound like shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. It. You know, I've actually been amazed. I'm on a list. As I said, I, I live in the Bay Area and I'm on a list of like radio people yeah. in the Bay Area. And, you know, like one of those, you know, what is it called? Like you get emails every week, like mm -hmm. whatever. It's a listserv like a type or, thing. Yeah. Okay. No, it's like a listserv and you join okay. it on whatever. I don't even yeah. know, can't remember what service, some sort of Google group service maybe. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> the point I wanted to make is that I'm actually amazed at how many people are looking for help with editing, with you know doing a tape sync, with whatever it is. Like I have often thought, because I actually... In, have enjoyed the type of editing that I'm doing. Like I'm pretty yeah. good at like being painstaking about my editing and I mm. kind of get nerdy about it. And I've often wondered like, you know, I have considered myself like, is that a, a direction I should go? Like right mm. now in my career, I'm sort of trying to figure out like what is going to be next because I had, I did have to leave inside and you know, what's happening next for me. And, and now there's like festival, you know, not festivals, but events specific yeah. just to like podcast editors or, yeah. you know, every <laughs> particular role, right? Yeah. There's going to be a podcast uh, newsletter editor conference. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's all happening out there for sure. Did you ever count them? Because at one point I was losing track of how many podcast newsletters there were. No, there's, I mean, there's so many. I mean, hopefully they all, I mean, most of them do serve different yeah. purposes. But yeah, I always, there was always friendly competition between, you know, my newsletter and, and Pod News because when I was doing the news thing, it really was like, you know, yeah. you would get a lot of overlap if you were subscribing to sure. Pod News and Inside Podcasting. Then like my format really kind of changed quite a bit in part because it needed to because during COVID, I just couldn't, I couldn't follow the news as closely as I was yeah. before. So I started doing more evergreen type stuff. And I'm sure that James was happy about that. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, you know, of course, I religiously read all the newsletters myself still as I always yeah. have. Yeah, the ones that come to mind, Bellow Collective. I know Jonathan Bailey Strong has one out of New York City. Yes, yes. Which is a good one. And then uh, the Podcast Business Journal. Podcast Business Journal. I get yeah. that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, I get uh, Lauren. Yeah. Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm blanking on her last name. She has one called like podcast podcast that's really great okay. that's more of a discovery like discover great podcast oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. less industry more like sure. and paul condo has paul podcast condo, Gumbo, yeah, right. where, like yeah. there's so many recommendation 
you know, newsletters as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I try to read them all. There's podcast business daily, which is actually, I think it's called podcast business daily oh, okay. or podcast daily news. Maybe it's podcast daily news, but that yeah. is produced by iHeart media and you oh. will never see their name on the newsletter with, which is That's just the world's first thing. podcast newsletter. Did you know that? Bugs me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they have one for podcasts and radio and it's both not branded as iHeart, which oh, that's funny. bothers me. So you mentioned you had finished up your work at Inside. Yes, yes. So what happened to the extent that you can talk about the transition and, and then yeah. the time off and then where, where your head's at now? Absolutely. So uh, I'll first just say I'm super grateful to Inside.com and Jason. He's kind of a piece of work who, you know, which anyone who knows him knows that that's the case, in- including him. But, you know, I came to really, I had a good relationship with him and I felt like he really supported me, as I said earlier. And writing that newsletter opened so many doors. I mean, it's, I, I, it was the perfect way for me to enter this industry because I got to learn, I got to meet people, and I got to, you, you know, I really feel like it was the entry door for me to so many other things and people. And so I'm super grateful. What happened there was, you know, I had started to think about leaving, you know, when the pandemic first hit and school was at home, you know, I have two kids and one of them has learning differences. And, and I knew that it was helpful for me to be with her as much as possible. And so actually at that time, I almost quit then, but they talked me into staying and they, that's when I started changing my format to more of a, I did sort of a crowdsourced thing where I would either interview people for it, or I would ask a question and people would send in their own stories, their own answers, pictures of where they record or whatever. And that basically helped me survive that time mm, because I okay. it was pretty much all hands on deck with remote school. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, summer hit. And meanwhile, this is something I haven't spoken about a lot, but I feel comfortable talking about it now. It, Jason was really pushing on me to make that newsletter a, to put it behind a paywall. And oh. I just did not think that my readers were going to have extra money to do that. Like a lot of his other newsletters, just for people who aren't familiar with with his company, are like inside business, inside dev, like software development, inside AI. You know, it, the, these topics where, you know, if you're in artificial intelligence, like maybe you have to read the news every morning in order to sound smart in that meeting. And you're going to spend, you have the resources either from your company or yourself to pay the money to, yeah. you know, get this newsletter every day. But, you know, I just know from being in podcasting that a lot of podcasters don't have a whole lot of extra income. Yeah. And, you know, they're working at a deficit. So many of them, yes, there were many CEOs and, you know, the heads of, as I said, Hernan Lopez is an example of someone who definitely would have had the money to pay, but lots of people didn't. I'd say the majority of my readers probably Luminary probably would, would, would have paid. <laughs> Luminary would have paid. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> so, you know, I just felt like I was going to lose a lot of my readership and I did not start doing that to write for a small amount of people, you know, call it my ego or whatever. But like, beyond that, I just was, as I said before, like really enjoying the interaction with readers. And so I held him off for months. I held him off until I gave notice. And I think they will, you know, from what I understand, it will eventually go that direction. I don't know the timing. They have a new writer who is great, but she still is, I think, building her relationship with the audience. And so maybe they'll now hold off on doing that and let her build more of a relationship with the new readers. But I was 
I just didn't want to know. I told I told my mom at one point, I was like, Jason wants me to put this behind a paywall. And she was like, well, you're going to have to quit. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> she knew it was in my mind uh, that I That's wouldn't want to do that. So, And then I knew that remote school was coming back. And yeah. so it just seemed like the, my, the second season of my podcast for them was ending at the end of August. It seemed like the perfect time to leave. And so I'm still figuring out in answer to your second question, I'm still figuring out the next step, but I think that there is a high likelihood that there will be yet another newsletter to add to mm-hmm. your to your email boxes, <laughs> and it will be owned by me, and that will be nice because I don't own any part of what I produced or created for Inside. I don't own yeah. anybody's yeah. email address. I don't own any content. I don't own any part of the podcast, etc. So it will be nice to have that for myself. I think I would love to get to a point where I was also doing a podcast, but that's definitely secondary. First thing for me is to make sure that my life and school and COVID and pandemic is stable enough to add that in addition to writing. In the meantime, I'm doing some freelance writing. I have a couple things I'm working on for people who've approached me that that's sort of, you know, keeping the lights on. But, you know, I'm also, as I said, like, I'm also in this place that and I feel very lucky because to be in this position, but I'm I am able to think about do I want to do something not completely different? It would definitely be in podcasting. But do I want to get trained to be an editor? Do I want to, Mm. you know, go down a different rabbit hole in this industry. Yeah, yeah. And so that's also in the back of my mind. And it's been nice. A lot of people sort of, you know, I I tweeted about this and I, I have had a lot of lovely people reach out. And so I've had some informational conversations with people. And so I'm kind of in this place of just feeling open. Mm. But I miss writing and I miss yeah. being okay. part of the conversation or or at least conveying the conversation. Yeah. And, and it will be a different spin. It's not going to be, I'm not going to copy inside podcasting. I have already an idea of sort of how it's going to be different, but I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet. That's exciting. And uh, and I I will make room for one more newsletter. Oh, thank you, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. I mean, it is, it's this funny thing where you quit you when you've been someone that people know, you know, to some extent, you know, it is this weird thing where you quit. And then, you know, I sort of feel a little bit like, is it echoey in here? Like, you know, like, like a little bit like, do I exist? Like, yeah, you know, you're, you're like not in the conversation anymore. No, it's, I'm, it's I'm really like, not. Because you know, we're not going to conferences either. You know, you, exactly. You feel that's part of it as well. So a hundred percent. So, you know, I, and I miss that. I really loved that about my job and I, I want to do that. But there's also that insecurity of like, will people subscribe to another newsletter or will people, you know, be interested in whatever work I produce next? Like, I still don't know the answer to that question, but I would feel pretty lame if I didn't at least try. You know, I got to try. What's interesting is that the default for you, and I imagine it's for me if I have to make decisions like this down the line, but for you, it's not a question of whether it's going to be in the world of podcasting, right? No, it's not a question. (laughs) So that's interesting because I think, you know, I don't, spend a lot of time on this but you're you're making me think about this a little bit like you know six years ago like i nobody knew who i was and i really didn't know who anybody was and i didn't even know about podcasting probably right <laughs> so the fact that this is like my life now and i have a show and it's it's part of the reason why i was just like oh i gotta i gotta keep the show up so i can talk to people to see what's going on but you know do did, you did have you- a pull in any other direction or have you you know when you sort of you know you were telling the story of how you you sort of pivoted to this yeah has it felt like, oh, this is my, this is where I'm supposed to be? Or have you had other thoughts? 
No, yeah. I, I mean, I can't. When, I, when you think about like what you would want to do, like my major goal right now is just like growing and scaling the agency, and just because I'm afraid to do it, and so like, and mm. and I know it'll be a, a lot of work. And I'm working with a a, a good uh, scaling coach by the name of Alex Sharfin, who who's done who's taken companies to like 100 million dollars. So there's different phases where depending where you are in your company. So that's been that's an, that's the next challenge for me. But you know, when I think about what I would like to be doing if you know money wasn't an option. And I think it's always something related because I always have podcast ideas. Um, yes. I started a whole new show in the vertical farming industry. What? I, I've been I didn't doing, know that. Yeah, I, just, I just finished up the first year. It's called the Vertical Farming Podcast. Is that obviously that's something else you're passionate about? Well, it's interesting because I read Peter DeMondis' book, Abundance, uh, which is a fascinating like book about the future. And there was a chapter on mm. vertical farming. And then in my agency, I was like, I wonder if I could create my own client. So basically, I was like, I started interview- reaching out to CEOs and founders of vertical farming companies, started interviewing them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just really curious. And I want to just learn a lot about the industry. And then that stair steps into like other CEOs. And then eventually one of the companies, Intelligent Growth Solutions, they sponsored my whole season before I even published an episode. Oh my God. So, <laughs> Harry, wild. that's amazing. Yeah. So it was really interesting. Because then I did some research. I'm like, vertical farming is a $14 billion industry by 2026. There's no shortage. And even with what happened with COVID now, the awareness of having local access to your food, fresh food, right. is even more top of mind. So I, yeah, it's it totally was wild. Relevant. I was, I was interviewing the CEO of uh, IGS, and he was the first interview I had after COVID. So this was like mid-March, and he's in Scotland in his home, and I'm, I'm in Minneapolis, and I'm doing like a, a Squadcast interview with him <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> I I I cannot believe how creative that was for you to th- Did you have that in the back of your mind? Like, okay, I'm going to talk to, you know, I, I mean, you went from it sort of like the cart before the horse, which I love, and yeah, it totally worked yeah. out. Like, were well, you like, whoa, you I'm spending it, all this time? Well, I'm thinking who has money or how are people spending their marketing dollars and their marketing budgets? Always a good and question s- to ask. Yeah. And so like <laughs> who, what industries are blowing up. So obviously anything like future AI stuff, I imagine nanotechnologies, I could probably think of like 20 or 30 other industries where if you do enough research, quantum computing or something like this. Yeah, yeah. Specific and the more niche, the better. So this is not just ag tech, which is all technology related to agriculture, but it's indoor ag tech, which is specifically vertical farming. And I was like, and then this is what we tell clients, like, don't get fancy with the name, just SEO the hell out of it. Like, my partner's right. a photographer, uh, Natalie, the photographer, she, and we start, we started helped her with a podcast, and she trains other photographers how to uh, start a photography business. Oh. So we called it Photo Business Help. That's the name of the show. <laughs> like, that's perfect, like, right? That's and then like, I that's have what a, you need. A new, a new client, Richard Smith, who's founded a company called Trade Stops, and which he's eventually sold. He's starting a new show. Talk to people about investing. It's called Understanding Investing. Like so. So when I started the, uh, the Vertical Farming Podcast, I'm like, it's just going to call it what it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Because no, because I need as many eyeballs on that as possible. Did you and go I, and look and see, like, are there other podcasts about this? Like, yeah, there ha- were a couple, but nothing and, major. You found you yeah. found one of those niches. Oh, yeah. good job! That's what everyone so that, should be doing. So that was, yeah, that was just like a kind of like a, a thought experiment. Just like, oh, I wonder if I could sort of create my own client. And and now we're, you know, once you get the first season sponsor, then it's a little easier to have other conversations with folks and you just price it high enough because I was having conversations with them and this is just as COVID hit. And they're like, oh, we're not going to a conference. And I was like, well, how much do you normally spend on these booths? And they're like 10 or $20,000. You know, it's like, okay, you know, that just basically price anchors where I can offer my stuff because right. as long as it's less than that, you know, right. for, uh, you know, then it's, they'll see it as a, as value and 
then you just over deliver, you know, you just do it, whatever you can to knock it out of the park for that whole season. So, and, I, and I've had the, the CEO back on for a second round and he really enjoyed the interview. He's like, yeah, my, my team liked it a lot. So, Oh my gosh, I'm really impressed with that. Yeah, I, so. I've not heard a story like that. And that's, I've heard a lot of stories. So I don't know, that's impressive. Yeah. So I think just to back to staying within like the industry, because it just feels like there's so much potential. Right. And this is another industry right itself, right? Podcasting itself. Like, and we all want to figure out like where we can play and what impact we can have. And, and also just the people that do have a voice and are good at it, you know, in the community, we know who they are. And I know that, you know, people have resonated with your tone and, and with your writing when you, when you took over the Inside Podcasting newsletter. So well, definitely thank you. congratulate you on that. I take that as a huge, huge compliment, and I don't take it for granted. I know that I was really lucky to be in that place, and I hope that I can you know, continue to do some work in that area. One other thing that I would love at some day, this is nowhere obviously in the future, but is to find a way to be in this industry and work with others, like be part of a team. That's yeah. one thing I really did miss, actually, when I was one downside of working for Inside is it's very, very much of a solo thing. You know, you're everyone's remote even before the pandemic and yeah. you're writing on your own. And the podcast was almost entirely, you know, a solo project with some outsourcing, but very much of like, it wouldn't have happened without me just putting it all, you know, making it all happen on my own. And and I do miss, that's one thing I miss about being in the PR world is that I loved working at agencies because you're surrounded with other people who think like you hopefully, <laughs> if you're yeah. working at the right place, and you're constantly like bouncing story ideas off of them for your clients or like trying to figure out like how you can fit into a, you, how this client, how, what can they have to say about this conversation? You're having brainstorming sessions about that. And, and I loved that part of that job. I don't want that job anymore, yeah. not in technology PR, but I do miss sort of the mind meld of working with other people. So yeah. that's a longer term goal. I would love to to work with others. Yeah. So we'll see if that Yeah. Happens. And I think the opportunities will pre present itself. The industry keeps growing and there's growing, just, yeah. it's maturing, I think is the the word that probably makes more sense because it's, it has been, it's, it was sort of, it's in like teenager years, maybe I would think if you think about 2006, yeah. I guess that's the starting point. So now, you know, Adam Curry jumping back in the fray with the directory that's the open source yes. directory project yes. so it's interesting it's a little it bit is of interesting like, as much as the push circle. to corporate if you want to use the star wars analogy like the evil empire <laughs> moving in yes and so yes. The, the, the rebels <laughs> sort of fighting back the indie <laughs> podcasters i think that's fun hey to i love a star wars metaphor anytime i yeah. can get it <laughs> couple questions as we wrap up. I feel like with some, t some of these conversations, I think I always think about the Joe Rogan model. And I want to do like two hours after dark. So like we would stop this, there would be an hour for the episode. And then it's just me and you like <laughs> literally like shooting the shit for like another just two hours. Someday, like, someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get it's there. Just, then it's the super deep meta podcast about podcasting. That's right. But, but then I, the I'm back, all back about door, that. <laughs> but then the back room, like what they really talk about, like when yeah. the, when the, after, when the after, off. after the light goes off, after the, you know, when we're yes. having our, our post interview drink, what are yes. we talking about then? Exactly. Yeah. So that's in the works. What's uh, something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, you know, I've heard you ask people this question and I'm, I can't believe I didn't think of an answer before I came on here. What's something I've changed my mind about recently? Whoa. That's hard because there's so many ways these days in which our minds get solidified, mm. like in the national discourse, you know, of yeah. things oh, like we're yeah. such a polarized, polarized place. Oh, actually, I have a good example. Yeah. And it's related to podcasts. Nice. So I, I don't know if this is exactly, I feel like this fits in 
This is a good answer. Yes, I'm excited about this because I really <laughs> feel this answer in my bones. So I am a diehard, lifelong Democrat. Okay. And I come from a, you know, a long line of people like like me. And I had a friend, Leah, I'm going to give another shout out to my friend Leah, who told me about a podcast called The Bulwark. And it's hosted by a lifelong conservative. And his name is Charlie Sykes. And he is he used to be like a conservative radio talk show host. Like, I don't okay. know if he was like Rush Limbaugh, but he definitely like was sort of in that vein. And he is a never Trumper. And it has been, so I've been listening to his podcast now. I mean, it's five days a week. I don't listen every day, but I listen a lot because it has been, this is what podcasts do. They let you be a, a fly on the wall yeah, on some yeah, yeah. conversation that maybe you could never have and learn something. And I have to say, listening to him, and he has always conservative, you know, people who used to be conservative, but are anti-Trump on the show. And it is a fascinating listen to hear them put into their own context and framework, to have them put it into their own framework of thinking. There are things, I can't point to a specific example, but there are moments when I've been like, I see his point about that particular issue. Yeah, yeah. We agree about so much right now. I know if Biden gets elected, like I'll probably start to hate him because then he'll go back to his, you know, you yeah. know, staunch Republican stance on everything, but it has been in totally enlightening, totally mm. enlightening. Very and I, cool. you know, I listen to lots of liberal leaning podcasts, but I also, I really, I don't miss it. I don't miss listening to it. I always make time for it. Well, so the, this is like another rabbit hole for me. This, uh, this, uh, what I'm calling these new philosophers are, that are talking about this idea of sense making, about personal sovereignty, about mm. having agency, and you know, just it's really interesting. There's a podcast called Future Thinkers, another one called The Stoa, which is a lot I haven't of heard of these podcasts. Philosophy. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. And there's a guy named Daniel Schmachtenberger who, like, every time I listen to him, I'm like totally like fanboying. Like he talks about like mm. things from a civilizational context mm -hmm. and this idea of mimetic tribes, which are essentially all these like little slivers, these culture wars that are happening now, Black Lives Matter, like right. Antifa, anarchists, you know, the, you know, activists, the social justice activists, like, you know, the white supremacists, like literally he, he identified like 20 of them and wow. he calls them memetic tribes and everyone's just kind of like vying for like the nation's attention. So we, we're, we are now more splintered than ever. But what is they the talk name about of, that's his he wrote a book or he he has a podcast. Well, there's a really good post on Medium called The Memetic Tribe War 2.0 or something. I'll send you the oh, link. Yes, um, I mean the link. It was a fascinating fascinating read. That's Peter Lindbergh, and he, who is the host of the Stoa. But these guys Jordan Hall, he uh, Jamie Wheel, who is the co-founder of Flow Genome Project. So, when you uh, just basically like when you hear them talk, I'm just like, whoa, like <laughs> they're like Right, it blows your mind. Not just not just like book smart intelligent, but just like They've studied civilizations and how, you know, every civilization is like, comes to an end, the Romans, the Greeks, you know, right. the Prussians, whatever, you know, and so is Western civilization. Like we're actually like phasing out the fact that we have these two <sighs> septuagenarians running for president like it's and crazy both of them, and both of them are like on life support it's just and those are the only two choices we have and like are you yeah. kidding me like yeah there's something happening and it's interesting yeah so I'll you know i say it's things. funny like i will just close or you know at least say this about you know the weird world that we're living in you know you and i were talking before we started recording about just what a weird place the mm -hmm. world is in right now and how yeah. you know it's affecting everyone's lives and and all of that is true and many days i feel like everything is horrible and but there's also like i also feel like this is an incredible time to be alive like oh yeah 
we are at such an interesting, like people are always asking, like, when is another decade you'd like to be alive? You know, and you, oh, I'd want to be alive when, you know, when they were founding the country or whatever it is. But like, I keep thinking like, I am alive exactly when I want to be alive. Like, this is an incredible time. Lots of it is tumultuous and sorrowful and painful. But it is, but it is fascinating. And I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be part of the generation that is experiencing this because hopefully good will come. I mean, that's of course what we all hope. This is a generational event. Yeah, no, no yeah. doubt about it. Hundred percent. It's interesting too. And then everyone has to decide. This is probably what we could talk about in the After Dark series. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you want to hear me and Sky talk about the future of the world, you can just tune in After Dark. <laughs> but I'm just like the people who step up. Someone said there was this is just a talk about social. Like I was, I was like, oh, I'm getting off social, screw Facebook, all of that. And then what happens is someone made a point that like if that really happens, the only people who are left there are like the lunatics who are just talking a bunch of shit. And so that's a like, good point. You need people like with common sense to just be yes. like, hey, that's probably not right, and that's not true. You should probably fact check that. Like, yeah, and it's so sane funny. voices. A, yeah, you need sane voices there. So that's something to to think about. That'd be a one, good name uh, for a podcast. Sane voices. Answer this. This is the vet. Oh yeah, yeah. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? Probably the most misunderstood thing about me is that I know how to make my own podcast. Like pe- as I mentioned before, I I don't I haven't used. I've done a little bit of the work with software, but try, let me try to think of something. I mean, I get requests all the time from people who are who think that I know like what they're going to like yeah. in terms of podcasts. <laughs> I feel like I get that wrong. You, you should be like a podcast, like a tarot card reader, but for podcasts. <laughs> you just feel like, I mean, yeah. that's the thing, though, is like I'll recommend something. Like, I will go to the mat for In the Dark for someone and they will listen to it and or they'll start and they'll be like, I don't, it's not, I don't, oh, yeah. this isn't my thing. Or you know, or some other podcast. And I, and I'm also the other thing that's that I just misunderstand about myself is what I'm going to like, you know, like I hear what other people are recommending. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I've got to listen to that. And then I don't necessarily like it. Or I listen to something and surprise myself by then wanting to subscribe, like the podcast I mentioned a moment ago. So, you know, I think we are all so different. And, you know, my dad is the one real holdout on podcasts. And he I cannot for the life of me figure out, like he's someone I want to solve this problem (laughs) for and I can't figure it out. So I I think that people are, you know, people are always like, oh, you're the podcast guru. You'll know what I like. And I get it wrong. You know, I get it wrong. Everyone's different. Well, make sure you get that t-shirt made, podcast guru, so you can wear that. I (laughs) should. Yeah, I just need a sign on my head. I walk or, uh, my name is Sky. Ask me <laughs> to recommend a podcast to you. Yeah, yeah. That'll be yeah. my next newsletter. And then go to a no, podcast and conference. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sky, thank you so much. Uh, this was uh, probably more fun than I, I thought it would be. Knowing oh, that we me too. I love talking to you. <laughs> someday, so, someday I'll return. I'll, I'll have you on my future, currently yes. non-existent podcast. Yes, I would love yes. to continue the conversation with you. Harry. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. And I treasure these times to connect with friends in the podcasting space. And that's why I sort of like I now don't have time to talk to like random people because it's like no, I got too many friends I got to catch up with. <laughs> <laughs> it has a way talk. of taking over. Yes. Yeah, this was lovely. Thank you so much for yeah. having me on your show. It was real a joy. I, I was looking forward to it all day yes. and it exceeded my expectations oh, i'm glad to hear that thank you yeah i'm really a fan of what you do and and how and how 
your voice supports and uplifts the podcasting community. So I want to make sure everyone knows that. Where's the best place for folks to follow the next step in your journey? The best place is definitely Twitter. I'm there pretty regularly at Sky Pillsbury. Very simple, just my name and hope to see people there. Always looking for fun people to connect with on Twitter. Okay, we'll make sure all that's in the show notes. Thanks again, Sky. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Sky for coming on the show. Always appreciated. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 241. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com, for his list of amazing music. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2 Pro. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat15. Tune in next week for my conversation with Liz Gans. She's a reporter, journalism fellow at Stanford, and she's also the product manager at Google. And she shares with us some of the new and exciting things happening there related to podcasting. If you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with sky is the limit. Hashtag sky is the limit. And sky is going to be spelled S-K-Y-E is the limit. And tag podcast underscore junkies and sky at sky pillsbury s-k-y-e-p-i-l-l-s-b-u-r-y thanks for all you do to support the show talk to you next week